And of course, in the book of Romans, in the epistle to the Romans, Paul is speaking because he wants them to grow properly. You know, you and I are living in a time of great economic prosperity. I know there are people who, you know, play games with it, but really we're living in good times. I, I live, I've lived now a long time. You know, 76 years I've been on this planet. And this is one of the best times ever. I did live in a time in the 80s when it was a great time, but this is one of the best times ever. And uh, so, but there are people who are hurting and uh, they need our prayers. Let's um, look at the scriptures and I want us to look at, at the scriptures, Romans chapter 12, because Paul was writing to people who were doing well. They were doing well, but they weren't growing properly. And so he was helping them to grow properly. So I want us to grow properly. I don't want us to just do well financially and able to pay our house note and, and food bills and wear nice clothing, but we are not walking in Christ as we should. That's not good. That's a bad thing. And it's not about what you might think your opinions about God. If you haven't given your heart to God, you don't have a worthy opinion of God. And so we want to do it from a biblical stand standpoint. Now I'm going to start in Romans 12. I, I was supposed to start in verse 3, but let me start in verse 1 just to give you a context here. Uh, Romans 12:1, where Paul writes, he says, I beseech you therefore, brethren. And the therefore is there because of, of chapters 9, 10, and 11. And he brings out this amazing uh, reality of Jewish and Gentile believers and how God has blessed them to be in the same body. And once they're in the body, they're no longer Jew or Gentile. This is big stuff. And he says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Some versions say your spiritual worship, but it says your reasonable service. And what Paul is saying is that... Uh, uh, that is opposed to animal sacrifices in the Old Testament. You killed an animal, sacrificed to God, and that was it. But you get to die every day. So that means that whatever you went through the day before, you get to die again. And he says, now be a living sacrifice. Why? Because before you were saved, you presented your bodies to do all kinds of things that got, get, uh, secured all kinds of pleasure for yourself. Whether it was just eating, you know. Uh, maybe it was going on trips, whatever you use your body for. He says, now that you're saved, present your body as a living sacrifice, holy, that is set apart, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. That's the thing you ought to do. And then he admonishes us, do not be conformed to this world. That is, don't let the world shape you or mold you into what it wants you to be. Now, frankly, let me just say very emphatically that too many Christians are like that. They're, they're worldly Christians, and they have ideas just like the world. And uh, yesterday in Kingsville, uh, we had a situation where this man came in. He seemed like he was the best, uh, the most wonderful, saved Christian, drop, name dropping like crazy, excited. And then I said one thing, and he went off went off. I thought, wow, wow. I just said one thing. Okay, as believers, we must do 
right. We must walk righteously. We must not just decide what laws we want to obey unless they are unjust laws. We have to obey as Christians. We're supposed to, and we're going to deal with that in Romans 13. We're supposed to, but never unjust, never unrighteous, never unholy. But he went off. Wow. The Bible says, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable. He says, present your body as, uh, acceptably to God or wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service and says, you have to have your mind renewed before you can do it. You have to have a changed mind. You can't have the mind that you were born with, you came here with. That mind is an enemy to God. That's what Paul is saying. That's what Paul is saying. Man, I want to please God, don't you? Yeah. And he says that when our mind is renewed, we will prove that is by testing. So the difficulties you go through, you will prove you'll come out on top. You'll come out successful because you've had a mind renewal. Yeah. yeah. He says, and so you prove by testing. For example, my dad, if my dad wanted to prove that the, um, the horse that he bought was good, so he would go out and test the horse. And so that's how you prove by testing and what is good, acceptable, and pr the perfect will of God is. So let's go uh, quickly, if you will. Let's go quickly to... Verse number three, verse number three, from verse number three uh, for a little while here, uh, we're going to look at spiritual gifts and they are not for self-aggrandizement. They're not for self-edit uh, exaltation. You don't want You don't have a spiritual gift from God and now you become a big shot because you've got something free from God by his favor and now you're exploiting it. So we, they are not for that. They're not for self-aggrandizement. They're not for self-aggrandizement, all right? We know what that means. You're enlarging yourself, building yourself up in, in lieu of others. And so what Paul says here, for I say through the grace given to me, to everyone, not some of you, everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. Don't think you're, you're all that, you know? You're all that. You're the one, you know, El Mero Mero, you know. Uh, you're the one, man. You said, no. No, no. Don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to. We love this, right? We love that strutting, right? We love that, that I've got it, you know, I've got it. It's about me. He says, don't do that as a believer. But think soberly. As God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. So everybody has a measure of faith given to them by God. Every believer. Sometimes we say, I'm just faithless. I'm just, no, you just haven't been to the gym. You know, you need to go to the gym. You, you know, you want muscles? You know, sometimes these guys, you know, I, I don't go to the gym much, right? But I'm going, you know, I'm going through some things right now. But when this is over, I'll be in the gym. And some of the brothers will come and they'll do this. You know, Yeah, they do that. But I'm going back to the gym. And when I go back to the gym, you're going to see the muscles. Right? You're going to see the muscles. And when they do that, they're going to go. No more of that. And they just smile at me. You, you know who one of them is? Yeah, you know. So, so he says, so, so what we don't want to do, the scripture says, but be sober. Think soberly. 
God has dealt to everyone a measure of faith. And so that means that you have to exercise your measure. You have to exercise your measure. And this is very important as we go along. For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function. Very important. You know, like my body is not just hands. It's not just feet. We have many members, many members of my body and your body. Paul says in verse 5, so we, being many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. So he wants us to look at our personal body and see how our body is whole and functioning because we have all these parts. Can you imagine if we thought that the, the hands weren't good or the arms weren't good and we needed to scratch our back? We couldn't scratch our back. We'd have to be, do like the pigs do, right? <laughs> Yeah, we have to do like they do. Have you ever seen hogs in the woods? That's how they do it. You go in the woods and you see an old tree that's rubbed all over. That's the hog, right? He doesn't have the, the ability to scratch his own back. So he has, right. So we'll be like them. Then he says, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. Now, I, I want to just stop momentarily. He says, having gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us. So, God decided what gifts you would have. I don't want to go through it all, uh, in full detail, but athletes have certain gifts, natural gifts. God gave it to them. I mean, can you imagine if God wanted me to, to make $50 million or $52 million a year for playing something I enjoyed? He would have given me the ability to throw the football like he did some of these guys, you know, but I, I can't throw the football like them. I may think I can throw the football like them, but thinking is not the grace that God gave. So he says here, we have this by the, by the grace, by the grace that is given to us. So we have natural gifts and we have spiritual gifts. We have both. And everybody has something from God, natural and spiritual. He said, let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Now, it has been rumored in the body of Christ that these gifts of the Holy Spirit are defunct. They are no more. I've heard people say that. That went away with the apostles. Well, the Bible says that knowledge is also a gift, so I guess your knowledge went away with them too. <laughs> so here he says, prophecy. So that means you can speak forth by the Holy Spirit. And Paul tells us that we are to prophesy or speak forth by the Holy Spirit according to our faith. Now, if you have faith to tell somebody tomorrow at 6 p.m., you're going to receive $1 billion. Whoa, say it. But if you can only say, but tomorrow at 6 p.m., I think God might do. That's your level of faith. But he says you have to prophesy in proportion to our faith, or you can speak forth in proportion to our faith. There are many people who come to me and say to me, Pastor, when you said such and such, this is what happened in my life. But that was, that was in proportion to my faith. So it wasn't like I said, yay, I say unto you. No, I just said, you know, this is what God is saying to me. I remember walking up to one of our kids, uh, and I've done it to many of our children. I said to him, I said, I hope he doesn't mind me using his name. But I would say to him, hey, Rylan, Rylan. You should play soccer. He wasn't playing sports. He, he, was, he was dealing with some, some health issues here and there. I said, I would see him again and say, Rylan, you should play soccer. He'd look at me. Rylan, I believe God is telling me that. Because every time I see you, I think about soccer. Wow. And this kid went out for soccer. First time, a superstar. 
really a superstar. I, I've told this story two or three times, but he, he was a superstar. Then he went out for basketball. His first game, he scored 22 points. I'm saying I had no idea, but I just said that. You see, you, you, all of us have spiritual gifts. We all have spiritual gifts. But if you keep saying God doesn't give spiritual gifts, that's, kind of, that's not sensible that God would take away spiritual gifts at a time when we need them most, when the world is in chaos, we have no spiritual gifts. It all depends on what you've learned and what you didn't learn. Now, listen, let's go on. It says, or ministry. God gives you uh, the gift of ministry. Let's use it in our ministering. He who teaches in teaching. He who exhorts or encourages in exhortation. I mean, if God gave you a gift of encouraging people, you're supposed to encourage people. There are some of you, you, you have that beautiful gift. You will encourage me all the time. And sometimes you don't know that I needed it at that right time. And you said something so encouraging. And I've called a few of you Barnabas. It said, he who gives with liberality. So if you are a giver, just give. I know people in this church who are just givers. They are givers. And they will just give, 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 give. They're not asking for anything back. They are are givers. And you know what? I've noticed God gives more to them. And they always have something to give. And he says, he who gives give with liberality. He who leads with diligence. He who shows mercy with cheerfulness. All right? So I'm not going to go into some of the things that I shared. Yes, let me do it. Okay. Okay. You don't don't want me to skip it. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 16, God shares these things with us. Uh, now, he talks about not, not the giftings that he gives individually to you, but now he gives these, these ministry gifts to the church for the building up, for the edification of the church, right? You know uh, that Spanish verb, edificar? Edificar, no? You're not talking to me. I guess you don't know that word. I'm the only one in here, that's, I'm the only one of us Spanish speakers who know that word. Edificar, to build, to build up, to build up. And so, so that's what he gives these uh, uh, in Ephesians so that they might build the, up the church. And so if God gets rid of them, how can the church be built up? That's God's desire to build the church up through these gifts. Let me read. And he himself, speaking of Jesus, he himself didn't send an angel. He himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry, for the edifying, the building up of the body of Christ. So God gave these ministry gifts. Now, I, 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 I told the first service, I was in a particular conference in San Antonio some years ago, and somebody said to me, hello, apostle, apostle, this apostle? I said, wait a minute, I'm sorry. The last time God call, called me, he called me pastor. I said, so that's the only title I use. You know, pastor, as he called me pastor. And then I thought about it. Well, God didn't even call me pastor. (laughs) He just called me Don. (laughs) But he gave these ministry gifts till we all, listen, how long? Till we all come to the unity, oneness of the faith, of of our Christian faith, and of the knowledge of the Son of God. So there's the knowledge of the Son of God that we must Fine, must reach. 
the knowledge of the Son of God. The, may I just say, and this is not to slap anybody around, but many Christians don't have knowledge of the Son of God. They have some idea of some things, but not the knowledge of the Son of God. Who he is and, and what he has done, and who he is is immutable, and what he has done cannot be undone by situations and circumstances. Can I tell you, not even by me. I might lose some reward, but I'm never going to lose my son yeah. And this is what I do know. I've been born of the Spirit of God, therefore I cannot be unborn. Look at all of you. You can't be unborn. <laughs> no, you have to give account of the things you've done in your body. And Paul talks about us losing reward when we don't do that. I don't want to lose one reward. I mean, if God's got an eternal cell phone up there, I want it. Yeah. Whatever he has, no matter how, quote-unquote, small it seems to be. Now, listen, he says, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, listen, to a perfect man, totally complete. The body will stand totally complete in that day. We will be totally complete. There will be nothing in us that should be out of us, and there will be nothing out of us that should be in us. We'll stand perfectly complete with our head, Jesus Christ. That's what the Bible says. To a perfect man, listen, to the measure of the stature, listen how Paul uses these words by the Holy Spirit, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. And so God's fullness is in us. We say, oh, God's fullness is in us right now. Yeah, but we need to show it. And in this crazy day in which we live, we must show it, believers. We must show it, believers. Amen. When I was a boy, you had to testify in church, right? You had to testify. And if you didn't testify, they figured you were backslidden. And so a lot of people stand and testify. They would say, for God I live and for God I'll die. And they meant that. There were times I, then I, I copied some of that. For God I live and for God I die. And some of those tough trials came. I go, for God I live. Don't let, don't let the enemy stop you. Come on, for God we live and for God we die. Amen. The Bible says that he gave these ministry gifts, verse 14, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. So what he's saying is that, is that man, if you don't have good Bible doctrine, men will give you do doctrine. I've seen the church, many people in the church, I'm saying the church, speaking things that we ought not speak. They're not Christian doctrine. Amen. Wow. We're going to deal with that more in, in, in Romans 13. Listen here. And so what else does he say? He says that we won't be tossed to and fro when we come to maturity. We won't be tossed to and fro when we come to maturity. How many of you men can remember when you were, I don't know if the women would, would uh, this would apply to you, but we uh, men were boys, you know, we wanted to be big boys. You don't want to be a big boy. I want to be a big boy. I wanted to go with my brothers, and, and I wanted to do what they did. And if anybody kind of did anything wrong, I wanted to be able to take care of it, right? So we do that spiritually. We take care of matters spiritually and the way God wants them. We take care of them. That's, that's what growing up into him means, that we take care of them spiritually, not with fisticuffs, you know, not with, 
you know, being Tex Texans, you know, I have to mention that. You know, not, not shooting somebody up in the name of Jesus. No. No, this is, this is God's way. But speaking the truth in love. <laughs> Challenging. But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ. Now listen, Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share. You're important. You may feel, well, I don't know if I'm important. I never get to preach. Maybe you aren't supposed to preach. Maybe you're just supposed to serve. And when we see Jesus at the judgment seat of Christ at the Bema, maybe the one who served is the one who gets the biggest reward. Maybe it's not the guy who was preaching and shouting and trying to get you to do these things. I always say, God, it's going to be some little old woman. You know? I don't mean that disrespectfully. <laughs> My wife says, me. <laughs> but you know what I'm trying to say to you? There's always some woman out somewhere out there who's just giving and giving and giving. I, I've seen that in my life. You, you guys, don't be jealous. It's the truth. Now, let me, let me rush through this if I can do it. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 12, it correlates so beautifully with Romans 12. Let's read it. This talks about unity and diversity in one body. Unity and diversity in one body. Uh, would you just take a moment and uh, look around the room? Just I want you to physically do it. I know you know what it looks like. Just for a moment, just indulge me. Don't just look at me. Look around the room. Come on. Just look around. Look on both sides of it. Now, now the Bible says in this section, it's unity and diversity in one body. When I was in my 20s, mid-20s, somewhere around there, God, the, the, the Lord spoke to me. I, I knew it was God. It, was, it didn't come out of here, but it came somewhere within me. And I heard a voice within me saying, I, I wish, that I would like a place, not I wish, I would like a place where all of my children could worship me together. And I said to him, I said, Lord, I would do that, but I don't know how. He said, love everyone who comes through your doors. Love everyone who comes through your doors. And at the time, I've told you this, but I think it's worth telling you again. I've told you 50 times, but I can tell you 51. Amen. He said, I thought he was giving me something to do. For years, I thought he had given me something to try to have, but he didn't. He spoke it into me. Now, listen to me, everybody. He spoke it into me, and he will speak it into you as well. He spoke love into me. I don't try to love you. I do. Yeah. Yeah. And so, I'm not in this whole thing like uh, my people group first or, or America first. It's God first for me. And then everything else just comes all together. It doesn't matter what color you are, what nation you're from. I love you. Why? Because he spoke it into me. And if he hasn't spoken it into you, just tell him, Jesus, I'm open. Speak it into me now. Amen. Amen. So verse 12 says, for as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body being many are one body. So also is Christ. So even though there's a multiplicity of members, we're, we're one. 
And he says, so is Christ. For by one spirit, listen, this is powerful. We were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and have all been made to drink into one spirit. So this is what Paul is saying. He says, the Holy Spirit inducted you into the body of Christ. Wow. You did not volunteer. Well, I know I came to Jesus just as I was, weary, warm, worn, and sad. No, the Holy Spirit led you. The Holy Spirit took you and baptized you into Christ. Now, now this is my, my, my fervent belief. That you are baptized into Christ by God the Holy Spirit. Para siempre. Forever and ever. Now, then he goes on to say, for in fact, the body is not one member, but many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I'm not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? So that means you can't get angry if, since you have been baptized into the body by the Holy Spirit. You can't get angry and say, well, I'm not a Christian anymore. No. You're just going to get spanked, but you are. <laughs> I mean, the discipline's coming. Anybody have a dad that, that puts something on your backside a little bit, you know? Uh, yeah, man, my daddy did it, man. My daddy did it. I thought he didn't love me. Really? Telling me while he's putting something on the backside, I love you. I love you. I love you. No, I was saying under my breath, no, you don't. I didn't dare say it out loud. I mean, I, I, it would, no, 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 it wouldn't have been double. I don't even think it would have been triple. It would be, you don't know him. He, he, he died at 13 or something. <laughs> yeah, God disciplines those he loves. No, God disciplines. Don't ever be believe that you can do whatever you want to do without the discipline of God. A lot of believers think that it's the devil, but it's God who's whipping them. All right, I'll leave that for another message. So he says, and if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I'm not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? So what he's doing is he is refuting some of the thoughts we have. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where would be the smelling? So you need everybody. I need every one of you. Jesus chose every one of you. You ought to be excited about that. I'm looking out there, some of you. Come on, be excited. Jesus chose you. Jesus chose you. Then the Holy Spirit said, you chose, you chose this one? Jesus, I'm baptizing them into the Spirit. I'm baptizing them in the Spirit. So he's baptized you into the body. You are baptized into the body. Oh, man. He said, but now God has set the members, each one of them in the body, just as he pleased. And if they were all one member, where would the body be? But now, indeed, there are many members, yet one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet. And when he says, nor again the head to the feet, um, I know in our natural body that's correct, but also in our spiritual body, the head will not say, Jesus will not say to the feet, I have no need of you. You are inextricably joined to Christ. You are inextricably joined to Christ. Now, that's what he says. Um, no, much rather, those members of the body which seem to be weak are necessary. So if you say, well, I'm, I'm, I, nobody needs me, it's not true. He said, you are really necessary. Remember the example 
of New York City many years ago when I was, I think I was about a junior or senior in college. And uh, New York City people went on, a garbage man went on a strike. Anybody old enough to remember that other than me? And, and they went on a strike and, and uh, the, the city was not going to give them any more money. And uh, they said New York became the smelliest place on earth. That's, that's what the writers were saying. It was the smelliest place on earth. And they called us, come on in, let's negotiate. And they gave them so much money. Some of us were thinking about leaving college, going to New York and being, it's true, being garbage guys for a while. Yeah, why? Because they were necessary. Those garbage men are necessary. That person that brings your food in the restaurant, necessary. The person that carries it, necessary. And those of you who feel like, I, I don't, they don't need me, you are necessary. Yeah. Hallelujah. You're necessary. Let me say this other. It says, but, um, and on those members of the body, which, uh, which we think to be less honorable, on these we bestow greater honor. And our unpresentable parts have greater modesty, but our presentable parts have no need. But God composed the body, having given greater honor to that part which lacks it, that there should be no schism, no division in the body, but that the members should have the same care for one another. And so I, I, I don't mind showing you my hands. I don't mind showing you my face. I don't mind showing you my arms, but there are some parts I keep covered. And so sometimes if you're that part and God is covering you, no, no, God is doing that because he loves you. And, and your reward is sure, your reward is coming. But listen to what he says, and if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. Or if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now you are the body of Christ and members individually. I will read this, the la this last part and uh, we will amplify it later on in, when we teach chapter 13. So this is how you behave as a Christian. This is how you conduct your life as a Christian. Please, I want you to listen very carefully. This is how you conduct your life as a Christian. Let love be without hypocrisy. Don't pretend. Abhor or strongly dislike. Detest what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love in honor, giving preference to one another, not lagging in diligence. Be diligent. Not lagging in diligence. Fervent in spirit, hot, ready, serving the Lord. Rejoicing in hope, not in wishing. Most of us use hope wrongly. But rejoicing in the expectation of God because God has something for you. I'm telling you straight up, I'm not just preaching up here saying stuff. God has something specifically for each of his children. I want it. Whatever God has for me, I want it. Patient in tribulation. When you're going through something, be patient. God knows. Be patient in tribulation. The psalmist says, when I, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Even when I can't discern it, even when I can't sense it, I know you are with me. Yeah. Patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer. 
because that's where my courage comes from. Distributing to the needs of the saints. Give to people. Don't be saying, well, they're just trying to take advantage. They're just trying to take advantage. Give. Distributing to the needs of the saints. Given to hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. That's a tough one for many of us, right? Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. I didn't say do not cuss. I don't want you to cuss either. But don't curse. You know, God just knocked their teeth out. I can't stand them. Users. No, don't, don't curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Hang out with people who can't give you a, something back. Bless them. Put your arms around their neck and let them know their love. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. In your own opinion, you think you're something when you're nothing. Don't do that. Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. If it is possible, as much as it depends on you, live peaceably with all men. I know there are some people hard to get along with. So the Bible says, if it's possible, live at peace with them. Do everything you can to be at peace with them. Not because you're afraid, but because it's godly and it's right. Hebrews 12, 14 says, Pursue peace with all people and holiness without, which no one will see the Lord. So you can't mistreat people and think you're all right because you have a high opinion of yourself. He says, if you do that persistently, never repent of that. It, it doesn't mean that God unsaves you. It means you weren't ever saved. That's what that means, brothers and sisters. God doesn't unsave you because that would be to deny who he is. The Bible says, if I am faithless, he remains faithful. But if I deny him, he will deny me. But if I'm faithful, he, he remains, I mean, faithless, he remains faithful. Why? Because he can't deny who he is. He can't deny. I saved you. I knew what you were a mess when I saved you. And I'm going to wash you. And I'm, I may use the rubbing board. But you're going to wash you. Hallelujah, somebody. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. This is what God is saying. He, he doesn't want you. This is kind of my wife's definition. He doesn't want you to repay people when they hurt you and damage you. You know, everybody in this house, every one of us has been hurt by a believer. And every one of us has hurt a believer. Everyone, you say, yeah, you don't know, I do know. I'm made from the same cloth you're made from. This is what he says. Vengeance is mine. My wife says, vengeance is his because you don't know how much is owed. Therefore, you don't know how much to pay. So, so, so this is what we do. We let, God, we let God take care of this. Vengeance belongs to him. Now it says, therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink. Enemy. Your enemy is hungry, not your buddy. But if the enemy is hungry, feed him. 
He's thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing, you will heap coals of fire on his head. What he's saying is, you, he may come to repentance, saying, God, I'm such a rotten person. God. Lastly, do not be overcome by evil. And he says, don't be overcome by evil. He's saying that whenever you're a reactionary person, you're overcome by evil. I'm mad. I don't know. Baby, I'm going to go out there and do something. No, no. Don't do that. You don't know why that person did that. You don't know the dysfunction that person may have come from. You may be their, their, their ticket, as it were, to God, their road, your kindness. Do not be overcome by what people do to you evil, but overcome evil with good. I'm going to come back in a little bit. Thank you.